All right, hello and welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the show with zero credentials, uh, zero fucks given that just keeps giving out takes anyways, because why not? Uh, another episode where I did not write out the intro, so I'm just shooting from the hip here, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I mean, it's basically just the NFC North preview. I just, I just couldn't bear to put these last ten pages in with the last episode, man. Didn't want to, uh, didn't want to, you know, make you guys suffer like that. I mean. Probably specifically talking to my parents right now. I mean, they've been they've been trooping through listening to these two-hour episodes the last couple weeks. I mean, God bless them. Gotta, gotta love my supportive parents right now. But either way, uh, basically, we've got the division that you've, well, probably not been waiting for, but the one that I've been waiting for, the NFC North. So without further ado, I mean, let's just crack right into this bad boy with the NFC North, the division preview of the NFC North. The Divisional Preview. And kicking it off with last year's division champs, the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, you know, on offense, they, they might have lost someone you'd have heard of. Uh, a guy named, I don't know, uh, Devontae Adams. Traded him to the Raiders for some draft picks. Uh, mildly huge loss there. Also lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Sneaky, huge part of that offense. Been a really good deep threat over the last couple years. Had some drop issues. But... Big guy stretches the field vertically. They're going to miss him dearly. Also lost guard Billy Turner, center Lucas Patrick to free agency. So a little bit thinner on that offensive line. They did add Sammy Watkins, drafted uh, Christian Watson on in the second round. Uh, wide receiver Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round. And they're going to get left tackle back uh, David Bakhtiari returning from injury over with his saga that he's been going through. Over the last couple years at this point, uh, he's been dealing with that knee injury. He looks to be ready to be back for week one. Uh, something to, to monitor there. But you, you're glad you're glad to see the All-Pro back, David Bakhtiari. Good to see him back in there. Um, with that said, at QB, they've got the learned shaman, Aaron Rodgers, coming off ayahuasca, mushrooms, all that stuff he does. I guess he started growing his hair back when he first did that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the the great Aaron Rodgers, probably the best quarterback in the league right now. Uh, yeah, not much to be said about him. He's he's insane. He in more than one way, Aaron Rodgers is an insane person. Uh, particularly at how good he is at quarterback in this context. Uh, well, who he's got for receiver though? Alan Lazard is the number one. Sammy Watkins the two. And uh, old faithful Randall Cobb at the three with tight end Robert Tunyon returning from an ACL injury. I believe he's good to go week one. Uh, not entirely sure on that, but I believe he is going for week one. Uh, not exactly the most explosive group, group with the losses of Adams and MVS on the outside. Uh, Alan Lazard has had difficulty separating in the past. He's a big physical guy uh, who can go up and grab those 50-50 balls, but he's not going to... He's not going to present Rodgers with the easy completions he was accustomed to getting with Devontae Adams on the outside, with the tactician that Devontae Adams in his route running on the outside, and just the built-in chemistry they had for such a long time. Uh, Lazard's been there for a while, too, so I'm sure they've got a fair bit of chemistry there as well, but just not the same player out there as you had at number one last year. Uh, Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb are both in the twilight of their careers behind him as well. I assume the hope that is that either 
Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs will step up and fill that third receiver role. He heard good things about Romeo Dobbs in particular in camp. Uh, Christian Watson still working his way back from an injury at this point. Um, at some point this season, uh, if that's not the case, I'm less than impressed with the group that they've got right now. Um, again, going to have to see if one of those young guys steps up. Uh, ultimately, it's going to come down to, to Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. Uh, with that said, I think he's going to throw this group some absolute gifts uh, that'll make their production ultimately look better. But there's not one guy in this group that scares you from a defensive perspective, that is. Um, no one that you think... You, you don't expect these guys to beat you in one-on-one. You're okay with loading the box a little bit more for a strong run game that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but not none of these guys, maybe Alan Lazard catching those 50-50 balls, really playing like a, a tight end at wide receiver, essentially. Uh, maybe you're, you, he can beat you one-on-one to a certain extent if Aaron Rodgers puts the ball in the right place, which he, he usually does. Uh, but outside of that... It's it's going to have to be a lot of Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers this season if they're going to see any sort of success. Uh, up front, they have left tackle David Bakhtiari coming back. Like I said, left guard John Runyon coming in. Uh, center Josh Myers. Right guard Royce Newman. And right tackle Elton Jenkins, Hale State. Uh, fellow Mississippi State alumni, gotta love it. Uh, Bakhtiari being back is huge. Uh, all you hope is that he can stay healthy if you're a Packers fan. Uh, but his presence should be an asset for this group as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they've got two young replacements stepping in in second-year center Josh Myers uh, at center and third-year guard John Runyon replacing Billy Turner at left guard, like I just said there in the outset. Myers was drafted in the second round last year, so this was likely the succession plan for him to play behind Lucas Patrick and kind of learn for a year. Uh, the big question mark will be John Runyon and, of course, the health of David Bakhtiari going forward. Really, the health of David Bakhtiari is first and foremost here. How long can he stay on the field? Will he stay on the field the entire season? How are they going to manage that injury going forward? I would I would anticipate a uh, an aggressive plan as far as... Uh, well, aggressively, like laying off the gas, I think is the best uh, best way to put it. He's he's up there at this point. If if he's not up there in age, he's certainly up there as far as the knee is concerned. After the saga he went through with all the setbacks and everything that's happened, the 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 new normal that he has to deal with as far as that that injury is concerned, uh, that's the big question mark as far as this this entire unit really I mean you love Elton Jenkins on the other side at least I do being a Mississippi State guy knowing how good he is uh but outside of that uh Bakhtiari that really that tackle tandem is gonna be what separates this group overall of course Josh Myers gotta step up Royce Newman John John Runyon really everyone on the interior has got to step up but those tackles are the ones that are the linchpin of this unit. Got to make sure they're playing at their highest level. Overall, uh, the replacements on the interior are going to have to step up. And David Bakhtiari's health will have have to be managed closely. But they have the makings of a very solid group up front as far as I'm concerned. And behind them, they got a couple stallions in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, I cannot pronounce words today. Um, but... Kylan Hill also in the backfield, you know, 
being being a Mississippi State alumni, I got to shout him out as well. He is recovering from an ACL, but he had some good snaps last year. Provides a different uh, spark than what Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon provide. Really good out of the backfield. I mean, especially playing. I believe he played a year in that Mike Leach system. Uh, very productive in it as well. So. A guy that you can trust out of the backfield, maybe you bring in as a third down back, something like that to really uh, uh, provide an option out of the backfield. That being said, the top two are probably enough if we're being honest here. I mean, running behind this offensive line and in creative run scheme that Matt, Matt LaFleur utilizes, uh, that's going to lead to some unusually, some unusually high level of production from this backfield. In my mind, uh, maybe not necessarily unusual in the context of last year, but in the, in the context of the rest of the NFL, I think it is probably a pretty good level of production. Uh, that's before you even get to the fact that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are both Pro Bowl caliber backs. Maybe the best duo in the league outside of Chubb and Hunt in Cleveland over there. Uh, more than ever, with the lack of talent on the outside, I think the Packers will have a run-oriented offense. I think that's really their key to winning this season is playing behind that run, playing behind that defense that we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, the more effective the running game is, the less attention defenses can afford to pay on the outside, which should lead to easier matchups for the receivers to take advantage of. So, overall, I think... This is one of the better backfields in the league, and that's exactly what it's going to need to be if the if the Packers rather want this offense to work. Overall, looking at the totality of this offense, the weakness at wide receiver is going to haunt them down the line, I think. Uh, but with Aaron Rodgers in a dominant running game, this offense still has the pieces to be top 10 in both running and passing this season. I mean, Rodgers alone probably means you're going to be a top 10 passing team. What they have in the backfield, there's no reason to think that they can't close teams out down the stretch just by running the ball straight down their throats. That's kind of how this team is built. Probably more of what the formula looks like as Aaron Rodgers ages and kind of gracefully, you hope gracefully anyways, uh, gets into retirement here. But yeah, even even if like down the stretch... I, I'll just get to it now. I mean, I think during the during the regular season, they're going to be probably a top 10 unit. Down the stretch, in the playoffs, if you don't have guys that can separate in the playoffs, I, I worry when you go up against someone like the Rams who've got Jalen Ramsey, or really, if you get all the way to the Super Bowl, I, I assume Trey White's going to be back for the Bills if he gets, if they get there. Um, well, Really, what you hope is that the Chiefs are there at that point, because I'm not sure they really have anyone on the outside that uh, that scares you from an offensive perspective. Uh, but all of that is to say, I feel like the weakness at wide receiver, it, it might might come back to haunt them come playoff time. But the regular season should be very, very good for this offense, nonetheless. Moving over to the defense, they added defensive end Jaron Reed, solid pickup there. Also drafted linebackers, well, Teammates, actually, at Georgia, linebacker Quay Walker and defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt, both in the first round uh, with one of those picks. Well, yeah, one of those picks they got for Devontae Adams. Uh, 
both the picks that they had put them towards Georgia defensive players. Solid pickups there. Uh, did lose outside linebackers Zadarius Smith to my beloved Vikings, who we'll get to in just a minute here. Uh, but the front seven is still left defensive end Dean Lowry, nose tackle Kenny Clark, very, very good player up front. Adding in Jaron Reed, that front three, very, very solid for the Packers. Uh, also got outside linebacker Preston Smith, Hale State there. You just wish he played for the Vikings instead of the Packers, from my perspective. I digress. Uh, inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell, all pro from last year. Rookie Quay Walker starting at the other inside linebacker spot. And uh, Rashawn Gary stepping up to play that strong side linebacker. That's the guy, Rashawn Gary. He's going to have to step up his pass rush to replace what they lost in Zadarius Smith. But outside of that, this front seven rock solid and only got deeper with the addition of Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt in the draft. Not to mention Jaron Reed in there as well. I mean, it is a very, very solid group. I think this defense, probably the strength of the entire team as, as far as I'm concerned, um, you also put Quay Walker in the middle next to last year's breakout star, Devondre Campbell. Now you get a fast and explosive set of inside linebackers. Whereas last year, it was just the Campbell show and pretty much everyone else running around. You got Preston Smith still there, still playing great. Um, I guess I, I should say it was Devondre Campbell's show and uh, the outside linebackers because he did have Preston Smith and, and Zedarius Smith, the Smith brothers, if you will, even though not related, just a whole lot of fucking Smiths uh, if you come from an Anglican country, if you will. Again, I digress on that front. Uh, Preston Smith, he's going to get more attention in the absence of Zedarius Smith but it will be up to Rashawn Gary to step up on the opposite side and prove that teams can't just slide protection away from him. If they if they do end up sliding protection away from Rashawn Gary and Rashawn Gary doesn't capitalize, it's going to negatively affect this pass rush. And again, this team needs to be very, very good in pass rush. Not that the secondary is bad by any stretch of the imagination. By any stretch of the imagination, rather. Whew. Words getting all mixed up. Actually, one of the better secondaries in the league, which we'll get to in just a second. There, phrase of today's episode in just a second. We'll get to that. Uh, anyways, back on topic here. If Rashawn Gary can't be at a level where you're getting double-digit sacks on the other side, it's going to be very detrimental to this pass rush for the Packers. Overall, looking at this front seven, there are some questions as to how well they'll be able to pass rush but this is a deep, talented group up front that's certainly one of the best in the league, in my opinion. In the secondary at corners, you got Jair Alexander and last year's first-round pick Eric Stokes. And at safety, you got a rock-solid duo of Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Uh, same cast of characters as last season. We all know what they're getting in Jair Alexander. Of course, one of the best corners in the entire league. A true shutdown guy to have out there. Great guy to have on the outside. But Eric Stokes is going to need to step up his play. Uh, stepping into that role uh, in that starting lineup for the departing Kevin King. Which, I mean, Kevin King... Maybe it's time to just put on a different jersey and maybe maybe get a fresh start. Uh, hopefully someone gives you a chance. Not not a whole lot of fun highlights if you go back and look up uh, Kevin King in the past. Uh, all the best to you. Eric Stokes is going to have to step up in his place. Being a first-round pick last year, you would expect him to, to get in the starting lineup and really play well opposite of Jair Alexander. That being said, playing opposite of Alexander, he's going to get 
a whole lot of fire coming under coming under fire constantly. Again, getting all mixed up today. Uh, his ability to stand in there, hold his own, will be the difference maker on the outside uh, for whether or not he survives or thrives, or really the defense in general survives or thrives. Uh, the corners' jobs are made easier by the safeties, however. Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage aren't guys that you'd usually... Uh, be, that you're going to hear usually in rave reviews from about analysts or from analysts rather on Sports Center, but they've been playing together for years at this point, and they've always been a rock solid uh, group on the back end. There, the fact that they fly under the radar is a testament to their effectiveness more than anything. I mean, you're not hearing about them. Uh, if they're not getting burned on a consistent basis, that's the main thing. And overall, Eric Stokes will have to step up and flash that first-round talent like I was talking about before. But this secondary, just solid, well-rounded crew with a lot of continuity and chemistry to fall back on. I feel like this is one of the better secondaries in the league. I think some of the smarter analysts feel the same way. Um, this whole defense, really, just, just get to it. Overall, this group... They're going to have to find a way to generate some pass rush. That's certainly a problem to watch up there, uh, whether that be through traditional pass rushers or blitzing. Uh, you're, you'd hope Rashawn Gary steps up there. That's one player to really watch. I think maybe the linchpin on this team is what Rashawn Gary ends up doing in that other linebacker position. Um, that being said, with the secondary being as strong as they are, the front seven may have a bit more time to get to the QB this should be one of the better units in the league this year, in my opinion. I think a shoe-in for the top 10, once again, maybe even a top 5 unit. I feel like I've said maybe a top 5 unit about like 10 different defenses so far in this division preview. But, I mean, hey, maybe 5 of those 10 will get in. That That's how the maybes work here. Anyways, moving on to special teams. They lost Corey Bajorquez in free agency. So, Packers go out, sign Pat O'Donnell from the Bears, uh, the kicker is still Mason Crosby, so uh, no real notable returners as well. So, I mean, really just a, a normal sort of kicking situation, normal specialist situation. Nothing nothing notable there to spend any time on, I guess. you. I mean, yeah, no, no real worries about Pat O'Donnell. He's coming from Windy City over in Chicago over to another Windy City in Green Bay. So, Really just par for the course for what he's used to. Should be stepping right into something that he's accustomed to. Just got to get used to the wind patterns in Green Bay, I would imagine. Uh, optimistically thinking about the whole team, the running game should open up better opportunities for a weak receiving core, and Aaron Rodgers is more capable of capitalizing on those favorable matchups, I think, than most quarterbacks in the NFL. If the Packers can play behind their defense, let Rodgers elevate the passing game even without the top end receiving talent. This team could make a Super Bowl run. Pessimistically thinking there's no guarantee that David Bakhtiari stays healthy. You want to, I mean, namaste, live and let live. Everyone stay positive here. You hope he stays healthy for the duration of the season. But if he can't go or he's a shell of his former self out there on the field, this running game will likely suffer. Now, that probably won't stop Rodgers from threading the needle and, and making those these receivers look good, but without a running game, this team won't go anywhere in the postseason, I think, at all. Uh, teams like the Rams will absolutely bully the Packers' receivers on the outside, completely stonewall the running game up front without a push on the offensive line. Uh, they need Bakhtiari in there, and they need one of those young receivers to step up. 
Uh, but looking overall at the entire Packers team, uh, with the exception of the receiving core, this is still a very good team, top to bottom, even if they aren't quite on the same level uh, of last year's team. Uh, the weakness of the receiving core likely limits how high this offense will ultimately rank, but they got a championship-level defense-run game combo with a Hall of Fame QB to manage the game, so to speak. With that said, I think the baseline goal for this team is going to be 11 wins this year. They're not quite on that 13-win level I think that they got to last year. But they're still more than capable of winning the division and making a run, in my opinion. Whew, y'all ever have a headache and then just like put something cold on your forehead? I just did that. My, my lord, is, is life good right now? I feel like that just fixed the problem totally. Anyways, moving on to the Minnesota Vikings on offense. I am very, very excited about this team. Offensive lineman Ed Ingram drafted in the second round who drove free agent signing Jesse Davis out of town. That was pretty much the only addition on offense. Didn't really need to add much. Uh, did lose Tyler Conklin, though. Uh, the tight ends really uh, getting Irv Smith back from injury after last season. Uh, but he did. He's He was injured the year before that, and he was injured the entire year last year or so. No guarantee that old Irv stays healthy. I mean, as a fan, I am, I'm worried. Feels like there's a ticking time bomb in that man's lower body somewhere. I feel like something's going to implode, but when he's out there, very, very good. Hopefully he stays healthy uh, without Tyler Conklin in the fold. Uh, at QB, still Kirk Cousins. Don't hate it, but still don't love it. I mean, he's he's good. He, he's good. He's, he's better than any other option we have. Um, yeah, yeah, let, let's just hope this works out, man. Between between you and me, let's just hope this Kirk Cousins thing works out. I mean, you hope a new offense coming in with KOC eat up the secondary. We're going to have to keep workshopping that, uh, that, that fucking that, that slogan there. Didn't put a whole lot of thought in, into it between yesterday and today whenever I'm recording this episode. Uh, that being said, what he has to work with is going to help him a lot, especially with KOC implementing a modern offense here. At receivers, got maybe the best receiver in the league right now. Certainly the best young receiver in the league, Justin Jefferson, uh, with another bona fide I mean, overtime proven number one receiver on the other side, Adam Thielen, uh, with a third receiver, sneaky, underrated guy, K.J. Osborne, slotting in there as well. And, of course, talked about him before, tight end Irv Smith. Uh, they lost Tyler Conklin, but thankfully Irv Smith is healthy for now. So we've got an explosive receiving tight end to fill in that spot. Gonna gonna have to work on using that Royal Wii in the circumstance. I'm still very much a fan of this team, but uh, yeah, yeah, gotta gotta work on that. Anyways, outside of that, same group they've got in there last couple seasons. Uh, Thielen and Jefferson strengths go without saying. Uh, they're one of the best wide receiver duos in the entire league. Jefferson's ability to stretch the field, uh, the route running ability. I mean, of course, Thielen's route running ability, the hands on both of them. I mean, you didn't think you could replace the Diggs-Thielen connection, but I mean, the Jefferson-Thielen connection, is it, at this point, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it might be even better than, than what the Diggs-Thielen connection was. I mean, it is I, certainly... Exceeded all my wildest wildest expectations for for how how great we could do as far as replacing Diggs in there. I, I whew, could not be any happier there. That's for goddamn sure. Uh, a guy that many people 
don't know don't know about but I love is KJ Osborne. He exploded onto the scene last season after being a non-contributor in the 2020 rookie campaign, grabbing 50 balls, seven touchdowns last year as that third receiver. This season, I expect him to only improve as KOC comes in with a modern offensive philosophy to energize that unit, get some movement in there, some pre-snap motion, uh, maybe read the defense a little bit more, a little bit more zone blocking uh, behind this offensive line that I'm very excited. Some people are down on, but I need to stand on the soapbox for my boys because I'm very excited about that unit. But first things first, sticking with the receivers here. Uh, this season, I expect him to only improve under the KOC offense. I think top to bottom, all these guys' numbers are going to improve with this new offensive system. And overall, sometimes you don't love Kirk Cousins uh, is the one throwing the ball to them, but this is still one of the best receiving cores in the entire NFL. And this new offense will showcase that, I think. I think they're going to get better play design. Again, I'll get to it in a second, what their actual ranking should be, in my opinion, but I think it should be very, very high. No reason, in my opinion, to think this attack shouldn't be one of the best in the entire NFL. In front of them, on the offensive line, a group that I am very excited about. Left tackle, Christian Derrissaw getting Trent Williams comparisons. Left guard, Ezra Cleveland, who's been there for a couple years now. Center, Garrett Bradbury, also been there for a couple years. Right guard, Ed Ingram, who I just talked about in the opener, um, knocked out the incumbent, well, not the incumbent, the guy they signed in free agency, paid money to come in and get his job taken from him, Jesse Davis, who they signed, or not signed, uh, shipped off to the Steelers, rather. And, of course, right tackle, Brian O'Neill, the longest tenured, not, not linebacker, lineman on the team. After years of struggle and rebuilding along that offensive line, I think the Vikings finally have a starting five that they can roll with into the foreseeable future. I really, really like this group. Like I've said, Christian Derrissaw has been getting Trent Williams comparisons, like I said, coming out of camp. He's poised to have a monster second season at that left tackle spot. Should be very interesting to watch. Should be fun to watch uh, Dalvin Cook run behind him. Uh, Ezra Cleveland returns for a third year after starting all 17 games in 2021. He was rock solid last season. I anticipate more of the same in 2022. Garrett Bradbury, grizzled veteran at this point at center uh, in his career, having started 45 out of 45 games in his career. I trust him at this point with how much chemistry he has. Uh, well, first off, reading the defense. Second off, I don't, I don't know what kind of chemistry you have with your quarterback, but I assume there's something there with the center between him and Kirk Cousins. I don't know. That That's kind of reaching for that one a little bit. I digress. Ed Ingram, he's a rookie, so you're never totally sure what you're going to get on that front, but the fact that he beat out a veteran lineman, Jesse Davis, who the Vikings went out and paid in free agency is a damn good sign to me that he's going to be a stud at right guard spot going right out of the gate there. And of course, there's the elder statesman of the group, Brian O'Neill, the original pillar that the offensive line was built around. I trust him implicitly at this point. They paid him like the player that he is. No worries about that at all. Altogether, it's something that I thought I would never see as a Vikings fan. Uh, it's a fully homegrown Top level offensive line, in my opinion. I don't. There are some smart analysts that I really trust that said this is a, a middling offensive line. I, 
I beg to differ. I think this is one of the best units in the entire league. I think this tackle duo going to be one of the best in the entire league. I mean, hell, if if Christian Derisaw can live up to those the, the hype that he's getting coming out of training camp, this should be a very, very good offensive line. Uh, the interior has to step up. Obviously, the guards have been a problem forever. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, Ed Ingram, I think they're going to step up. I think they're going to be very, very good this year. Uh, in the past, the offensive line's been the one thing holding this offense back. Now I think you can legitimately say the Vikings have one of the best offensive lines in the entire league. Uh, moving forward into the backfield, got Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison uh, going back there running the ball. Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison performed well even as the offensive line was rebuilding. Now that they have a uh, complete group in front of them, I see no reason they shouldn't be one of the best backfields in the entire league. I am most interested to see how Dalvin Cook in particular is used as a weapon in this new KOC offense. I feel like particularly behind what I feel is a very strong offensive line for the Vikings. This should be a very, very potent run attack. And what are you going to do? Are you going to drop a safety down in the box and, and guard Dalvin Cook? Or are you going to drop back and, and guard this vaunted receiving core? I mean, this this Vikings offense, scary, scary to, to think about from a defensive perspective. They can beat you in so many different ways. If you're the defense, I, I feel very, very good about this. And overall, let's just get to it. I mean, the Vikings have an elite group of skill players, fantastic offensive line, and a new system that should better use, utilize all those strengths. The only thing that will hold this offense back from being a top 10 or even a top 5 group is Kirk Cousins. I'm a known non-believer in Kirk. I've, we've been over this a bunch of times, and man, has he hurt me in the past. But I think... He's been given every possible resource he could ask for to succeed this season. Please just don't hurt me in the clutch time anymore, man. I think every Vikings fan feels the exact same way. Just just make some of those pretty disgustingly accurate passes sometime in the final four minutes of the game and just just make good decisions, man. That's That's all we can ask. Just make good decisions in the final few minutes of the game. Uh, and this offense should, I mean, even without that, by the numbers, this offense should be a, a bona fide, at least top 10, should be a top five unit with what they have in place. Uh, with that being said, moving on from the offense to the defense, added a bunch of players here, uh, outside linebackers, Darius Smith from the Packers, who we just talked about, uh, defensive tackle Harrison Phillips, inside linebacker Jordan Hicks, uh, they drafted strong safety Lewis Seen in the first round, uh, cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. in the second round, and linebacker Brian Asamoah in the third round. Uh, they also lost Savior, uh, not Savior, <laughs> safety Xavier Woods, and uh, let go of linebacker Anthony Barr in the offseason. So after all of that, in the front seven, you have got left defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson returning from last year, uh, nose tackle Harrison Phillips, right defensive end Jonathan Bullard, low-priced free agent signing this offseason coming in, stepping right into the starting lineup. Uh, someone to watch there. We'll get to that in a second. Weak side linebacker Daniil Hunter, absolute freak of nature. Uh, inside linebacker Eric Kendricks, of course, I mean the guy that's been the most steady consistent linebacker on this team. Um, other inside linebacker, Jordan Hicks. Uh, other outside linebacker, Zadarius Smith. 
The addition of Zadarius Smith and uh, Harrison Phillips certainly improves the situation from last season. The spot I'm worried about is that right defensive end where they're starting a journeyman defensive tackle, Jonathan Bullard. I would assume that just acquiring Ross Blacklock from the Texans, the hope is that he steps up, takes Bullard's spot. But as of now, that's a huge worry for me as a fan. I'm I'm assuming they're they're allowing Blacklock to get acclimated to the scheme before he eventually, I mean, he's got to earn his way into the starting lineup, but you would hope that he takes that at some point from a journeyman defensive lineman. Uh, the bright side, however, is uh, that they have an outstanding group of linebackers behind them. Daniil Hunter's health is always going to be a question mark. I mean, for me, given how the past two seasons have ended with catastrophic injuries, yeah, catastrophic injuries, rather, uh, but he's a fantastic player when he's out there on the field. Now, you pair him with a high-level pass rusher, Zadarius Smith, on the other side, add in Jordan Hicks next to Eric Kendricks in the middle, and linebackers are good enough to cover up a lot of weaknesses in that front three that may present themselves. In tandem, this front seven looks much improved from where they were much of last season. The D-line depth will be something to monitor this season, but it's a strong group up front as far as I'm concerned. Uh, in the secondary, you got Patrick Peterson returning for a second season. Strong safety, the great Harrison Smith, probably a Hall of Famer at some point. Got free safety, Cameron Bynum in, slated to start there at free safety right now. I'm not sure why Harrison Smith's at strong safety. Cameron Bynum's at free safety. I don't I always thought Harrison Smith was a free safety. Maybe I'm just stupid. I mean, maybe that just shows how, how much you really shouldn't be listening to my opinion, but I digress. Uh, at the other cornerback, got Cameron Dantzler. Again, Hale State, got to love my Mississippi State alumni. Uh, on the back end, health is a concern. Once again with Patrick Peterson, he was in and out of the lineup last year, so I'm less than optimistic that he can be out there consistently this season. Um, really, I'm... I'm interested to see how much I'm I'm interested to see if he has anything left in the tank because he's getting right there at the end of his career where I'm thinking like ah, maybe maybe you don't count on him to be the uh, everyday day in day out starter that's that's a that's a spot that I'm really worried about uh Quasi Adolfo Mensa went and added death behind him this season with uh Chandon Sullivan I believe from the Packers actually in second round draft pick Andrew Booth, but it will be interesting to see if those players can step up uh, if and when Patrick Peterson does go down. On the other side, Cam Dantzler needs to step it up this season. He's been put in bad positions last couple years and has been inconsistent accordingly, but now with a deeper group, group of corners behind him, he needs to make a leap and show he's a day-in day out starter. I really like him. Obviously being a, a Mississippi State grad, I'm a little bit biased in that. I watched him in college. We went to college at the same time. I mean, he's absolute stud out there. Um, that being said, he's going to have to step up his play from what he's done the last couple of seasons if the if he wants to stick around. I certainly want him to stick around. I certainly want him to play well because we, we need this secondary to play well just in case Daniel Hunter goes down. I'm so, so worried about that. Um, that being said, the situation behind the corners is evolving. Uh, obviously, Harrison Smith is still there at free safety, so no worries there. Strong safety spot is where we'll likely see some uh, shuffling this season. Uh, I guess I kind of got that switched around. I don't know. Cameron Bynum, probably going to get supplanted from the lineup, whether he's playing strong safety or free safety. I don't fucking know. Cameron Bynum, I love you, guy, but... 
That, that being said, we drafted Lewisine in the first round. There's a reason we took him in the first round. He's just waiting in the wings. Scene's likely going to jump by him and take that spot. Early in the year, if I'd have to guess, probably first four games, I would imagine, unless there's some sort of setback with Scene's development, which I would certainly hope not, because I want to see that guy play. I mean, he is an exciting prospect to me. I don't know what his coverage skills ultimately are, but he is big, he is tall, he's athletic, and he can absolutely demolish guys at the point of attack. I can't wait to see what he does this year, especially with another hard-hitting safety next to him in Harrison Smith. This could be a real, real physical back end here to pair with the great linebacker group they have. I mean, it could be a very, very good defense back there. Altogether, just looking at the secondary, it's a deep secondary, uh, deeper than they had last year. Um, but barring the health of Peterson and the progression of Scene and Dantzler, this should be a solid, solid group. If they could just be... Middle of the road, maybe solid upper middle of the pack. I would be very, very happy with that as a Vikings fan. Looking at this defense overall, I'm not sure this will be a defense that ranks in the top 10 necessarily based on uh, uh, the couple weak areas they, they have. But make no mistake, this defense is better than what they had last year. They should have more consistent coverage and a better pass rush than they had in 2021. Uh, I don't know if you can book that, but I feel that way as a fan, so take that as you will. They are biased takes, but they are good takes. We're, believe it or not, they are good takes, I think. Uh, anyways, moving on to special teams. Uh, Greg Joseph returns that kicker, which is, I mean, it, it, it's, it's acceptable. He hasn't hurt me like, like Blair Walsh did at, at certain points. Uh, he hasn't fooled me like Blair Walsh did at certain points, making me think he's one of the great, the greatest kickers in the league. Uh, so I mean that that's good, that's good. He's a certain, he's an average NFL kicker. Gotta love that. Uh, we had an upset at punter with Big Sexy from Tulane, Ryan Wright, uh, signing as an undrafted free agent, beating out veteran Jordan Berry. I'm excited to see what he can do, and even more excited to see how he represents the coalition of athletes with bad bodies. You have America on your side, my friend, as a fellow person with a bad body. Let's all make America realize that athletes come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, also got Kane Nwongwu back as uh, as an explosive rookie. Well, not an explosive rookie. He had an explosive rookie season last year. Uh, he is back in the return game. So if Big Sexy can provide uh, to or prove to be an upgrade in the punting department, the special teams might be looking real good this season if Greg Joseph doesn't completely implode, which who knows? Who knows? Anyways, optimistically, looking at the entire team, if all pans out as laid out now, this team could have a top five offense and a top five defense. The Vikings have every opportunity to challenge the Packers for the division title and even make a run at the Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned. Pessimistically thinking, however, the offense should be much better than they were under the, the Zimmer administration by default, just by implementing a modern offense. But there's always the chance that Kirk Cousins chokes some games away in the final four minutes of the game. And on defense, 
two of the most critical players have been plagued with with injuries recently. Um, in, if the worst happens and both Daniil Hunter and Patrick Peterson miss extended stretches of the season, I could see them falling to the middle of the pack, quite honestly. Uh, the division around them is bad enough that they'll still likely get 10 wins in a playoff spot, but without a high-level defense and Kirk Cousins performing up to snuff in the clutch, need him to be up to snuff in the clutch, they will be destined for another disappointing loss in the postseason, which I'm all too accustomed to as a Vikings fan. Overall, though, looking at this team, if it wasn't for Kirk Cousins at the helm, this would easily be considered one of the best teams in the entire league. I've given Kirk Cousins a hard time in the past, but I think... With the pieces that are around him, I mean, God help me for saying this, but I think this might finally be the year that he leads this team deep into the postseason. To me, the baseline for this team is 11 wins. For this Vikings team, all the pieces are in place. It's time to capitalize on the weapons that they have. With that said, let's move on to the bottom half of the division. And we're really going to breeze through both of these teams. Really not super, super fast, but we're going to make it snappy because, I mean, between these Bears and Lions, I'm going to break this to you softly. I know Hard Knocks was fun and all that. You know, you got Dan Campbell. I mean, just just, just being great television in general. Just, just awesome to watch out there. Uh, that being said, they'll be lucky if they go 500 down there in Detroit. And the Bears, don't even get me started on the Bears. I mean, actually, I'm about to start on the Bears, but... Neither of these teams are making the playoffs. Um, I'm not betting anything on that because it's the NFL, anything can happen, but neither of these teams strike me as playoff teams. With that said, let's get through this real quick. Let's just get a quick lowdown of what they got going on. On the offense, for the Bears, starting off, didn't even say the, the damn team name. What am I doing? Chicago Bears on offense. They added uh, Nikhil Harry through trade. <laughs> Good one. Good one there. He's on IR right now. Uh, also, one of the slowest receivers in the NFL, but I digress. Anyways, moving on. Signed Lucas Patrick, which isn't a bad signing. Uh, also signed wide receiver Byron Pringle. Uh, tackle Riley Reef And drafted wide receiver Velas Jones, I believe out of Tennessee, in the third round. Also got offensive tackle Braxton Jones in the fifth. And recently added uh, former first-round pick from the Raiders, recently cut Alex Leatherwood to be uh, more of a depth guy on that offensive line. Conversely, they lost Allen Robinson, James Daniels, who signed a big contract elsewhere, uh, wide receiver, kick returner, Jakeem Grant, uh, offensive tackle, Jason Peters, who I think they actually let go, so not the biggest loss in the entire world, uh, running back, Damian Williams, uh, and running back, Tariq Cohen, who they also cut, so not necessarily the biggest loss in the world, something that he kind of factored in. At QB, feel bad for the guy, but still got Justin Fields. Man, man, do I feel bad for that guy. Um, man, I, especially with this receiver group, I mean, Darnell Mooney, absolute savage out there. Very, very good. I mean, if you haven't watched him, he's going to get all sorts of reps this year. He's probably going to have a very prolific season, if for no other reason than he is, you know, one of the only true receiving threats in this unit. But Darnell Mooney, very, very good. A guy that I think actually kind of scares me as a fan watching the games, uh, playing against the Bears. Uh, that being said, behind him, you got Byron Pringle, who was more of a rotational guy for the Chiefs last year. You got Vels Jones, who's a third-round rookie. You got third-round rookie at the uh, the third spot. Not the best thing in the world. You know who also has that? Um, that would be the, lo and behold, 
the Cowboys, who one of the one of the thinnest receiving cores in the entire league, so not a good sign there. Um, also at tight end, you got Cole Komet, who is a very, very good option, a little bit of an underutilized option. In my opinion, I think he can really thrive with Justin Fields as his quarterback. I think they already didn't have a great group of receivers last year. It was really just, I mean, Darnell Mooney, freaking Allen Robinson. Uh, sometimes they threw to, to Cole Komet. I mean, it was just, just a mess, a mess and a half really out there, um, they, then they lose Allen Robinson. They lose Jakeem Grant. Uh, it, it's only going to exacerbate the issues from last season. Darnell Mooney is an absolute savage, like I said, on the outside. But if Byron Pringle is your number two, you've got a real issue on the outside here. The Bears will need rookie Velas Jones to step up early and in a big way if they want to have any semblance of a threatening passing attack, in my opinion. They're, they're going to need him real bad because without him stepping up, I mean, if you're expecting Byron Pringle to make huge plays at your number two, I, watch out. It is not looking good on that end of the field. You better hope your offensive line holds up. I'll just put it that way. Um, having Cole Komet on the outside will be an asset for Justin Fields as that security blanket when bullets start to fly, but they need an outside threat uh, uh, outside of Mooney. Um to step up if they want to be a threat in the passing game. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, God, I don't want to just trash the hell out of my, I mean, I do because they're the bears, but also like, ah, that there are, there are people too. There are players at the end of the day. So I, they're, they're one of the weaker receiving cores though in the NFL. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, not doing their young quarterback, Justin Fields, any favors. And in front of him, not really doing a whole lot of favors either. They got left tackle, Braxton Jones, left guard, Cody Whitehair, center, Lucas Patrick, who they signed in free agency, right guard, Tevin Jenkins, and right tackle, Riley Reef, another free agency signing. And they didn't exactly have a group of all-stars last season on that front uh, front five. They were middle of the pack in pass block win rate, which, I mean analytics who who's to say what they actually mean blocking is one of the hardest things to gauge whether they win or lose uh or not honestly and uh they're next to last in the league in sacks allowed though that's kind of one of those indefensible stats i mean some people say it's a quarterback stat stat sacks are they are to a certain extent and i think a lot of that is uh justin fields being young but also a lot of that is the fact that this offensive line is not good, hasn't been good for several years at this point, um, and they need it to be, quite frankly. In the offseason, they lost James Daniels at guard, like I talked about before, let Peters go in free agency, uh, but they did add Lucas Patrick from across the division, uh, Riley Reef, uh, who was a staple on a line that gave up the most sacks in the league last season, the only one that gave up more sacks than than what uh, than what the Bears did, so that's that's a good good omen. Got both of those guys coming in this season. Uh, the result that it it, it, the resulting group, rather, my goodness, if I can ever get out of my mouth, is a is a group that is mostly the same caliber of what they had last year, which is a below average line, probably not the worst line in the league, but certainly not a good line. Certainly lower middle of the pack, we'll say, as far as lines go. Uh, in the backfield, still got David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, the second year guy. Probably going to see him take more and more of a role. 
Uh, as you'll see over and over again with these running backs, they bring them in. They love to get these young late round guys that pop early, then slowly phase out the older guy as he's getting up to his contract year. And next thing you know, David Montgomery is going to be signing a two-year contract with the Patriots or somebody uh, in next year's offseason. Uh, such is the life of, a, of a, a young running back in the league. I mean, if you're real good, you got about a seven-year shelf life, I would say. If you're if you're like Hall of Fame good, maybe ten years, but beyond that, I mean, you're you're asking for a lot of good relate. You better be a great locker room guy. I'll just put it that way. If you're trying to get beyond ten years at running back at this point, uh, cutthroat league at that that point. Um, I'm not even sure what I was saying. <laughs> uh, that being said, not a bad backfield. I mean. Fairly average when it's all said and done. David Montgomery's per carry averages haven't been great over the past, uh, certainly last season for sure, uh, but that's also due to the fact that his offensive line hasn't been great. Uh, the offense in general hasn't been great for the uh, the Bears. And altogether, overall, I feel like this, uh, this offense might be one of the weakest in the entire league. I feel like this is definitely a bottom of the league offense. Not good. Honestly, th these Bears kind of stink, man. I'm going to be real honest. Maybe I'm biased. If you're looking for Bears content, maybe you should go to uh, a different podcast. I might be a little bit too biased to uh, actually look objectively at this, but I feel like even the even the smart analysts who stay objective about every team uh, are going to look at this team and be like, man, yeah, this is probably a top 10 uh top 10 draft pick this year. I mean, if they play better than that, I mean, good for them, I suppose, as long as they don't win against the Vikings. It's really all I can all, all I can ask for there. Uh, that being said, I'm, I'm rambling on at this point. Moving on to the defense, they are transitioning from a, uh, actually, no, they, they ran a 3-4 a last year. I don't know. Either way, they added uh, defensive tackle Justin Jones, defensive end Al-Kadeen Mohammed, uh, outside linebacker Nicholas Morrow, Drafted cornerback Kyler Gordon in the second round. Safety Jaquan Brisker in the second as well. Lost, on the other hand, uh, in trade market. Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Lost Akeem Hicks down to the, uh, the not almost said the Bills, down to Tampa Bay. Also lost defensive end Bilal Powell to the uh, Raiders. And Artie Burns. Couldn't tell you where he went. Really backed myself in a corner by starting to say all the places that all those guys went. Really, after the only one that I said where they went was Khalil Mack, who got traded to the Chargers. Outside of that, it was just all off my memory. Really stumbled there down the stretch. I digress. With that said, the front seven is at left defensive end, Al-Qadim Muhammad. Uh, left defensive tackle, Angelo Blackson, who I've definitely heard of. Right defensive tackle, Justin Jones. Right defensive end, Robert Quinn. Definitely heard of that guy before. Uh, weak side linebacker, Sterling Weatherford, who is an undrafted rookie. Not a good sign. Uh, Roquan Smith at middle linebacker for now. And the free agency signing, Nicholas Morrow. Um, overall, you look at that outside of Robert Quinn, uh, no one in that front seven really scares you. There's a lot of good run defenders in there. I think Al-Qadim Muhammad in particular, uh, Justin Jones played fairly well playing the run. Uh, outside of that, though, who is, uh, who's getting you that pass rush? I mean, it's just Robert Quinn. 
Uh, he's going to see lots of chips on the outside. Uh, the pass rush is going to be hard to come by on the outside or really anywhere if you are the Bears this season. Uh, you hope Roquan Smith is basically just a man amongst boys, which he usually is, but you hope that he just steps it up to a different level and just wrecks everything for opposing offenses this season. Because otherwise, I mean, this is... I mean, again, I feel like I'm just bashing on the Bears here, but this feels like a below-average front seven, especially with what they lost this offseason. I mean, losing Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, who they've had in there for years, Bilal Nichols, who got signed to a big uh, free agency contract. I mean, Artie Burns is kind of maybe not the biggest loss in the world, but those other four guys, those are big, big guys to lose on that front seven. I mean, all on that front seven, too, outside of Artie Burns. I mean, that is that's something that's hard to uh, hard to hard to recover from, if I do say so myself. Uh, that being said, moving on to the secondary at cornerbacks, you got Jalen Johnson, uh, third year guy. I want to say uh, at the other side, you got Kyler Gordon, the rookie. At safety, you got another rookie, Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson, uh, longtime stalwart really there on the back end for the Bears. Um, really, Eddie Jackson makes you feel better about this secondary. That being said, I mean, he can't be on both sides of the field at once. Um, um, also, having two rookies starting in your secondary tells me it is a very thin secondary. Yes, both of those guys are second-round picks, but Lewis Seen is a first-round pick, and he's currently not starting week one for the Vikings right now. At least he's not slated to. So... It's one of those things where, again, I feel like I'm just being mean to the Bears right now, but they don't have a very good back end. I mean, let, let me be optimistic at the very least. Maybe Jaquan Brisker steps up. Maybe Kyler Gordon steps up in their rookie years. Uh, I mean, maybe free safety Eddie Jackson. Maybe he can cover up some, some deficiencies on that back end, uh, get them to maybe be middle of the pack, but I feel like that's the that's the peak for this defensive unit is middle of the pack. Outside of that, this is certainly a bottom half of the league unit on the defense. Um not a not a defense that I'd really be scared of. With Khalil Mack in there and what they had last year, you're a little bit more afraid of what they had, but I mean this year, this time around, they're just bereft of talent, unfortunately, uh or Fortunately, from my perspective, I can't even lie. Uh, that being said, moving on to the special teams, they got Cairo Santos returning for third season, uh, but his first under a new regime. Look for him to have a short leash this upcoming season if he hits a cold streak. And that's not that's not bashing on the Bears right there. That's just facts. They have no loyalty to Cairo Santos whatsoever in there. Um, maybe the outgoing president, Ted Phillips will veto anything. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's the guy that has, has been the bane of the existence for Chicago for such a long time. Maybe Chicago is going to turn into one of the best franchises in the NFL. Once he, once he leaves the organization, who even knows, but back to the, uh, the subject at hand here. Um, he's, you know, he's an average NFL kicker, Cairo Santos. Just look, look out. If he hits a cold streak, I would not be surprised at all if they just cut him, sign somebody off the street right away. I mean, it, it's happened before. It's going to happen again in the NFL. It. I hope it doesn't happen for Cairo Santos' sake, but watch that. It might. Anyways, moving on. Uh, last year's punter, Pat O'Donnell, signed with the Packers to the team. 
drafted Trent Gill in the seventh round. Uh, somehow, I feel like he has more job security than Cairo Santos because Gill was at least drafted by the organization, you know? I mean, you, you don't think about it too, too much, but I mean, Cairo Santos is an established veteran, but he's not the he's not the new regime's guy. He's not Ryan Poles or or uh, Matt Eberflus's guy in this one. He's he's just he's a he's a holdover from the previous regime, really. Really most of these guys are holdovers from the previous regime. They're just kind of either guys that you want around or guys that are I mean on the clock probably going to be out of here in short order. Bottom line, this is a high variance unit. I do not know anything about Trent Gill quite honestly, but I do know there's a reason Cairo Santos has been with five teams thus far in his career and that is because he is an average NFL kicker, and what average NFL kickers do is they go through cold streaks sometimes. Again, watch Cairo Santos this season. I am not convinced that he's going he's gonna to end this season on the Bears roster. Uh, that being said, moving on from that, optimistically thinking, I mean, I guess uh, you think some of those guys in the offensive line maybe step up. Uh, you have like a an average running game. I don't think there's any hope for the passing game, quite honestly. Especially, I mean, you bring in a defensive head coach. I mean, really just just throwing your your young QB under the bus, backing over him a couple times with that bus, uh, giving him no help whatsoever. I mean, sure, Matt Nagy was an offensive guy, but maybe just hire an offensive guy that won't turn into a crazy egomaniac. That's a, that's a solid plan, I think. I think that's kind of something that you didn't do last time with Matt Nagy. He had a great first couple years, but uh, he got kind of weird. He got kind of weird, got really testy in the media. I'm not sure he was really enjoying it there at the end, but he had, yeah. He just got kind of weird. Uh, that being said, on defense, if they can live up to that like middle of the pack kind of average sort of unit there, you know, maybe they can push for seven wins, six wins. Uh, that being said, pessimistically thinking, they're bad on both sides of the ball. Uh, they got question marks in the kicking game. Um, th- this team could end up being the number one overall pick if. If all the other teams in this division, if if Detroit really even steps up and and gets like eight or nine wins, something like that, uh, comes out of nowhere, I mean, it'll be on the back of this Bears team. This the, These Bears could be very, very bad this year when it's all said and done. Overall, I think the Bears are probably the worst team in the division this year, quite honestly. I think the Lions have at least been improving over the last couple seasons under Dan Campbell, under the uh, the regime that they've got in there right now, the the Bears, man, I I said it I said it last time, but I'll say it again. I am I'm kind of glad, kind of glad we dodged a bullet hiring Quasi Adolfo Mensa instead of Ryan instead of uh, Ryan Poles. Again, who knows how much of this is is Ryan Poles and how much of this is like a product of the organization around Ryan Poles. Who knows what the decision making structure is like for that GM position. I, I have no idea. I can't really speak on that personally. That being said, I know I'm much happier with what Quasi Adolfo Mensa has done to improve the team in Minnesota, uh, much more so than what Ryan Poles has done to improve the team in Chicago. Uh, so yeah, with, with that said, I think they're probably the worst team in the division. Sorry, sorry, Chicago. Moving on from that to the uh, Detroit Lions. Offensively, they added wide receiver DJ Chark. Drafted wide receiver Jamison Williams in the first round, though he will be out for a lot of the season, at least until probably like December or something like that, if I had to guess. 
Had no major losses, though, so that's huge for uh, a team that's really been rebuilding. It's going to take a while to continue to rebuild. At quarterback, still got Jared Goff, so, you know, still not trying to compete, I understand. Uh, moving on, uh, receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown, very, very good receiver. I actually really like Amon Ross St. Brown. First off, awesome name. One of the great names in the entire NFL. Comes from a family, a great line of names with Equinemius St. Brown. Got a younger uh, brother named Osiris St. Brown working his way up. I believe he's in high school right now. Should be in college here soon enough. Uh, with that said, very good number one receiver. I think he's going to turn into an even better receiver than all of those other brothers that he's got out there. Uh Behind him, you got DJ Chark, who they paid $10 million on a one-year deal for. You expect him to step up and be a very solid second receiver. That being said, Josh Reynolds at the three, who had like 100, like 200 yards last season, um, not someone you want at your third receiver. They're still working on rebuilding that receiving core. They're going to need to add a few more guys for whoever comes in next at that uh, QB spot. Uh, still got tight end C.J. Hawkinson, though. He is an absolute specimen. I mean, an Iowa tight end, that's really all you got to say, the great lineage that comes from Iowa. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, great guy for whatever young QB that eventually comes in there to replace Jared Goff to have. But, hey, Jared Goff this year, I mean, hey, hit T.J. Hawkinson all you want. They will have Jamison Williams coming back, so whenever he comes back, he will take Josh Reynolds' spot uh, probably ready later in the year after that ACL tear, and I believe it was the championship game he even did that. Uh, brutal way to do it as well. Um, that being said, if he can, if Jamison Williams in particular can come back, uh, be as fast as we saw him in college, that could be a guy right there. That could be like a second number one on the team. Maybe bump DJ Chark down to the third position, which at that point, hell, I take back everything I said. If Jamison Williams comes in and is everything that he was in college, I mean, this could be an explosive wide receiver group just waiting, waiting for a good young QB to come in, take over and take the reins. That being said, this year, probably not the year for him. They're probably going to end up having middling production. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, going to be spectacular. He was spectacular last season. I expect only more of the same of that this year. Um, wait and see on DJ Chark. I think he's probably going to be pretty good, but I think $10 might have been even a little bit of an over overpay for him. I think he's going to be very good, though. Um, again, Josh Reynolds at that third, just something, something about that. Uh, moving on, though, I'm kind of talking in circles at this point. Uh, on the offensive line, they have got left, Left tackle, Taylor Decker, longtime left tackle. Uh, left guard, Jonah Jackson. Center, Frank Ragnow. Right guard, Halapuli... Okay. Halapulivati Vitae. Halapulivati Vitae. There it is, right there. Got it eventually. That being said, he is on IR with a back injury. So, just pronounce that name for no goddamn good reason. Uh, Tommy Kramer, a little easier name to pronounce for my white boy ass self. Uh, steps in uh, for the time being at that right guard spot. And, of course, last year's first-round pick, right tackle, Penny Sewell, absolute monster out there at the tackle. Really a great duo of tackles there. The offensive line, if nothing else, the offensive line, they are cooking with gas on, on up front there. They should have the, the makings of a group that, I mean, should be very productive Jared Goff is the one thing holding them back at the end of the day. Unfortunately, I, it feels like the day I'm just piling on guys here. But, I mean, Jared Goff, not the guy that you want to go forward with at quarterback, quite obviously. They're still kind of 
low-key in a tanking mode, though, I mean, they're still trying to improve at the same time. I think the, the plan is probably to draft a, a quarterback in this year's draft if you're the, uh, the Detroit Lions. That being said, for this year, you got a great offensive line in there, and they're only getting better with the development up there. So, I mean, this is a rock-solid group. Behind them, you got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, a solid tandem of backs. Um, DeAndre Smith, you know, he will kill a person. So, I mean, there is there is that. Jamal Williams, you saw the passion that he uh, he brought to the table in Hard Knocks this year. Uh, maybe hand it up a little bit for the cameras. I don't want to accuse anybody of everything, but hey, he's passionate. Jamal Williams is very passionate. You got a very passionate backfield back there. Obviously, we know that DeAndre Swift is passionate. Uh, that being said, behind this offensive line, I like him even more. Man, if, if Jared Goff can stretch the field even a little bit, I feel like this offense can at least be like middle of the pack. And I think overall, Jared Goff limits what their overall ceiling can be. I do still think they're going to be middle of the pack. If, if it is middle, uh, bottom middle of the pack, maybe late teens or something like that, early 20s. Well, you'd hope not early 20s if you're the Lions. That being said, it's more of the, more of the floor of this unit. I do like the pieces they've got in place, minus Jared Goff. I like a lot of what they have in there. I mean, DJ Chark's only there on a one-year deal, so you take that for what it is. But, I mean, they're still a rebuilding team. For what they're trying to accomplish this season, I really like the uh, the Lions' construction on the offensive side. I think they'll end up being towards the middle of the pack, even if it is bottom half of the league still, in all likelihood. Moving on to the defensive side, they added Deshaun Elliott linebacker Chris Board drafted defensive end Aiden Hutchinson in the first round this year. Uh, defensive end Josh Pascal in the second round as well. Also, Malcolm Rodriguez in the sixth round. Outside of that, they lost outside linebacker Jalen Reeves-Maven, uh, Maven rather, uh, safety Dean Marlowe, defensive end Trey Flowers, and defensive tackle Nick Williams. So in the front seven, they now got Charles Harris, left defensive tackle Aline McNeil stepping in the starting lineup, right defensive tackle Michael Brockers, and the new right defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, who they're expecting big things out of, obviously. At the linebackers, you got at one outside, you got Malcolm Rodriguez, six-round rookie, Middle linebacker, you got Alex Anzalone at strong side linebacker. You got Chris Board. Overall, you love Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Charles Harris, good piece. Um, you like Alex Anzalone, solid player there. Out, outside of those guys, though, I mean, a whole lot of rotational level guys that are just getting an opportunity here in the starting lineup. Not a front seven that's built to win right now, in my opinion. Behind them, you got a secondary of Amani Oruwarie and right cornerback Jeff Okuda. Uh, strong safety, you got Tracy Walker the third coming off a strong season last year, and you got free safety Deshaun Elliott, who they signed off the street. That's the one big risk, well, not really big risk, big question mark on the back end is Deshaun Elliott. He signed for about a $1.1 million contract, which tells me they weren't exactly expecting him to start right off the bat, but... Here he is right now. I have to see how he performs in that role. Jeff Okuda is going to have to step up, of course, and play to the level that, that he was expected to play at. Well, maybe not exactly at that level, but play to the level of an NFL corner. That's that's really all you can ask from Jeff Okuda at this point. Um, obviously, Amani Aruwarie is a very, very good cornerback on the other side. If Jeff Jeff Okuda can step up and be a, a very good good very good player on the other side, I mean, 
I feel like the sky is the limit. The ceiling is the roof for the secondary here. So, like, you know, you, you hope for that if you're a, a Lions fan. That being said, struggling to come up with superlatives for this defense. Overall, I think probably lower middle of the pack is what you can expect. I mean, I wouldn't expect a dramatic improvement from what they had last year. I mean, it's not... <laughs> It, it's not the greatest unit in the league, but I think they're probably going to play hard and, uh, I mean, look look good. Look well coached at the very least. Again, this is not a year that the uh, the Lions are probably going to end up winning anything of substance. Um, moving on to the special teams, they still got Jack Fox at punter, so zero worries there. Uh, Austin Seibert has had trouble uh, sticking on a roster, but finished out the, the final six games with the Lions last year, going 10 of 12 down the stretch. Success is far from guaranteed, but kicking in a dome half of his games will certainly help him with his consistency. Overall, the kicking situation will be one to monitor, but they aren't the worst special teams unit in the entire league, in my opinion. Uh, also, no no real uh, noteworthy returners there as well. Anyways, moving on. Optimistically, I think if they can just be average on both sides of the ball, it will average out to be a average team. So 7-10, and 8-9, something like that. I think that is probably the ceiling of what the Lions are looking at right now. I think if they could get, if they could get seven wins... I, you you would be ecstatic if you're a, a Lions fan with seven wins. I think seven wins means you showed some progress and you got a solid draft uh, draft position for going and drafting a quarterback in a, in a deep class next year. That, that's really all you can ask for out of this season if you're the, uh, the Lions. Pessimistically, though, I mean, there's certainly potential that they could be just as bad as they were last year. I mean, it is the Lions at the end of the day, and uh, they really didn't change a whole whole lot from what they from what they had out there last year. And in in some respects, I think they lost some stuff from what they had last year. So hey, I mean, you hope it turns out better. I think they'll play. I think they should play well. They should play harder. But there's also no guarantee of that. It is you know, never never underestimate the the stink. The, the, the rotting filth of the Detroit Lions organization seeping into the minds of young players as it has done for decades upon decades, really my entire life and even before that. Uh, I digress. Anyways, overall, from, from that dour outlook to uh, the overall outlook of the team, I think the Lions should be better than they were last year. I think seven wins is the baseline for them. I think the offense... The pieces aren't bad. I think the offensive line really has got something going there. On defense, they're probably going to struggle to a certain extent. They need to do some rebuilding there on that other side. But seven wins, if they went seven and ten, I think they would be happy with that. If they just finished third in the division, I think that's really all you can ask for from the Lions here. With that said, time to tell who the favorite is. And the homer in me really wants to say Vikings. I mean... They've got all the weapons you could ask for on offense. Dynamic pair of pass rushers, solid safeties on the back end. I mean, do I even really have to go through the weapons on the offensive side? It is it is something to behold over there. But God damn it, I know until Aaron Rodgers retires that that North is going to run through Green Bay. The receiving core is going to be an issue that they will have to work through. But they have a strong enough run game to draw defenders out of coverage and kill clock. Not to mention the defense that can work highly effective in tandem with that run game. With Aaron Rodgers back there facing undermanned secondaries, there's only so high a level the receivers need to play at 
uh, so high the receivers need to play out really, really finishing strong here. You, you know what I'm saying. They only need to play at such a high level uh, to end up being effective and productive this season. Uh, so, yeah, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, still my favorites in the NFC North, but watch out for those Vikings, man. They have everything they need to make a run at this division, make a run deep into the, into the playoffs. And this is the most excited I've been about a Vikings team in, in quite some time. I think, man, I'm, I'm very excited to see what they end up doing this season. With that, though, it is time for me to uh, retire for the weekend and watch football. I am so excited. That is all for this episode. If you enjoyed, subscribe. Give a five-star rating so we can grow this bad boy a little bit. If you didn't enjoy, just keep it moving and tell no one. But tell anyone, everyone it was good. Because otherwise, I will find you. Uh, I release two episodes a week. Uh, it's three this week because I'm a, I'm a fucking madman. Uh, but during football season, it's going to be two. NFL on Tuesdays. College football plus Monday Night Football recap on Thursdays. Any additions or changes, I'll let y'all know as they occur like I did this week. Follow me on all my socials at Caleb Verzak. Link will be in the description so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern Block name. Uh, if you want to contact the show, shoot me an email uh, at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That's unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just put business or show in all caps to start the subject line so you can be categorized accordingly. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. And as always, I've got no clue what I'm talking about and uh, forgot to put something in here for what I learned this week. So, deuces. Enjoy the weekend of football, college, NFL. Let's go.